to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. First, I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. Lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS, but what you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we heard from Dr. Casey, an incredibly talented naturopath. She provided a clear overview of what it means to be a naturopathic doctor, how to find a qualified ND near you, and some of the many ways an ND can help people with MS and other ailments find their way to better health. This week, we're going to talk about the importance of self-care when living with MS. And while we've discussed self-care previously, today I'd like to specifically focus on finding balance along the continuum that spans from selflessness to selfishness. And when it makes sense to utilize both ends of the spectrum, as there is definitely a time and place for each. Increasing one actually enables us to increase the other in ways that are mutually beneficial to us and those we care about. As my connections within the MS community grow through the years, I've noticed more and more that many of us with MS tend to spend significantly more time at the selfless end of the continuum and often feel it's selfish or indulgent to engage in ongoing regular acts of self-care. We try to squeeze the minimal necessary self-care into our busy schedules, and our time and effort dedicated to caring for ourselves is often the first thing we deprioritize and put on the chopping block so that we can instead do something for others. So today, we're going to dive deeper into this topic. We'll take a close look at the benefits of both selflessness and selfishness, and when it's healthiest to use each approach, especially for us as people living with a chronic illness. My research for this episode started with my reflection and exploration into one of my underlying fears and distorted ways of thinking that plays into and can often trigger anxiety for me. One of my major underlying fears is to be seen as selfish. When I really reflect on this, it's actually kind of funny. Anyone who really knows me knows I am often too generous and tend to lean way too far toward selfless on the continuum that spans between selflessness and selfishness. I even had one dear friend tell me recently with affection that I'd be a horrible drug dealer since I just give things away, like essential oils or homemade healing cannabis cream, just in my effort to help people. But even though I know at the heart of it, I am not selfish to the core, being labeled as such until somewhat recently remained an at times crippling fear. 
And this is why it's so important to explore our underlying fears with a skilled coach to once and for all work through the distorted and twisted ways we often think that don't serve us well so that we can move on from them for good. When we don't, the same lessons keep showing up in life over and over until we address them. The only way around is through. According to the experts, most underlying fears develop in childhood and extend into adulthood unless we acknowledge them, confront them, learn to reparent ourselves in a different way, or work through them in therapy to rewrite healthier pathways of thinking in our brains. The longer it takes for us to notice these distorted thoughts, the more solidified they become since they've spent so many years channeling our thoughts through our minds over and over and over again on the same unhealthy pathway. As they solidify, they are in essence cemented in our minds as acceptable and true, so we no longer even think to question them. This creates those unhealthy cycles of behavior that continue to derail us from being our best selves and living our best lives. As a youngster, in an effort to avoid being considered at all selfish, I learned to go with the flow rather than doing what I really wanted or needed to do to ensure my own health and happiness. I became a peacekeeper, a people pleaser, a mascot, an entertainer, a conflict avoider, a problem solver, a subscriber of toxic positivity. With my 2020 hindsight vision, I can now see how my severe need to avoid being seen as selfish has at times been incredibly painful and quite toxic for me. I am now finally learning that sometimes it might be good to be just a little selfish. And that's what this episode is all about. As a highly empathetic person who can be significantly impacted by the emotions of others, I know I'm not alone in being oriented in this way within the MS community. I also know now that it's more important for people like us to be aware of the slippery slope of acting selfless to an extreme. Today, we'll take a look at selflessness and selfishness in a few different ways. Take a listen and see what resonates with you and what it makes you think about maybe doing differently moving forward in your life and in your relationships. My gratitude this week is for gratitude. Wait, what? Yep, gratitude. Taking time to habitually practice gratitude helps us with so much. So today, let's quickly review some of the many benefits of practicing gratitude regularly, and in particular, how that relates to selflessness. Expressing gratitude and acting in selfless ways are two powerful foundations of happiness. Even a single selfless act increases our sense of connectedness to others and decreases feelings of depression and anxiety. The consistent practice of gratitude literally lights up pathways in our brains, rewiring our thoughts to be more optimistic and more emotionally resilient. In an early misunderstood episode, number four, called In Giving We Receive, The Gift That Keeps on Giving, we learned a lot about the importance of gratitude. 
It's worth a revisit if gratitude is not currently part of your daily practice or if you just want more ideas. The research behind the importance of gratitude is shared there, as are many different ideas to help you get started creating your own gratitude practice. For today, I'll add that gratitude and selflessness go hand in hand. They both biologically impact our brain in very positive ways. And the happiness gleaned from practicing regular gratitude and frequent selfless acts of kindness and generosity is long-lasting. Interestingly, as a side note, happiness researchers, also known as positive psychologists, have found that selfish acts, while resulting in short-term happiness, fade very quickly. And in fact, this rapid cycle even encourages continued acts of selfishness. Acting in selfless ways helps us become more grateful, more kind, and significantly reduces feelings of jealousy and vanity. In contrast, when we act in a selfish manner, we further train ourselves to think and act in ways that solely benefit us, which in time hinders our ability to be compassionate people and form and maintain healthy relationships. It's important here to mention that in order to be truly selfless, we must wholeheartedly want to help others without ego or expecting anything in return, even extra brownie points to get into heaven. It's choosing to make a difference, to make the world a better place. It's choosing to put others first and to express concern or care for others. Repeated selfless behavior teaches us to be better listeners, to be more patient, and to treat others how we'd like to be treated. It keeps relationships flourishing and keeps us humble and grounded. Establishing a daily gratitude practice is one of the fastest ways to happiness. Even two weeks, just 10 minutes a day, yields marked increases in optimism, productivity, healthier emotional response, and even helps to kick our creativity into high gear. Our brains literally start to change and become more oriented toward positivity. It's the best remedy for depression, something that an estimated 80 plus percent of us will experience at some point as people living with MS. You can revisit episode four for a plethora of ideas for how to practice daily gratitude, but even just doing one selfless act each day and thinking about a few things you're grateful for each night before bed is an easy way to start. Gratitude and other acts of selflessness certainly make the world a better place. And as someone who really buckled down on implementing these practices in the past year, I can tell you that they've really worked for me and are now an integral part of my daily core routines. I look forward to hearing what other flock members have to share about their gratitude and selflessness practices at our flock meeting this Saturday. The truth of the matter is that the vast majority of people don't ever want to feel or be thought of as selfish. We learned at a young age the importance of sharing and being generous with others. Most humans value displaying empathy for others, and we typically like to be helpful whenever possible. 
Yet sometimes, being selfish is actually a really important way to honor ourselves. And understanding what the word actually means can help us start unpacking why we often vehemently avoid being anything close to categorized as selfish to our own detriment. Let's start today by first looking at the term selfish. Merriam-Webster defines the word selfish as concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself, seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for others. Ick. No wonder we don't want to be perceived as selfish. But let's look closer at this definition for a moment, because it's important that we truly understand what it means to actually be selfish, since many of us often misinterpret its precise meaning. The first part of the definition of selfish that I feel a deep reaction to in my gut is the phrase excessively. I also struggle with the words exclusively without regard for others, which describes someone who really doesn't care how their actions might impact those around them. So, in order to be truly selfish, one must only be thinking of themselves and focusing on themselves excessively. What's important about deconstructing this definition is that we realize that much of what we categorize or label as selfish in our lives actually isn't. We throw around the word selfish when that's actually not the right word to express what's really happening. Without the jarring words, excessively and exclusively, without regard for others, the definition would actually be much more palatable and would read, an individual concerned with oneself, seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being. Who doesn't want to be successful, enjoy life, and have our needs met? Actually sounds pretty healthy, doesn't it? Let's just imagine for a moment that everyone focused more on themselves. If we all focused on doing what we each needed to do to be successful, enjoy life, and have our needs met, I firmly believe the world would be a much better place. Instead, it's easy to fall into the unhealthy habit of otherizing, where instead of focusing on ourselves, we tend to focus on how we feel others should be doing things differently from our purview. I invite you to think about this in your own life, to explore if there are ways you might be able to reduce the otherizing and focus more on satisfying your needs and desires for success, enjoyment, and health. So, when we fear we are being selfish, it's important that we reflect and ask ourselves a few really important clarifying questions. Am I really excessively focusing on myself exclusively without any regard for how my act or decision might impact others? Is what I'm doing harming someone else while it helps me? Is trying to consistently do a few key things each day to care for myself really selfish? Or am I using that word incorrectly and unfairly labeling and shaming myself? Perhaps what we categorize as selfish isn't selfish at all. Maybe it's more like self-honoring or self-caring, and frankly, modeling healthy behavior for ourselves and others in our lives. Before we get too far down the selfishness path, let's look at how Merriam-Webster defines the other extreme, selflessness. Having no concern for self, 
unselfish. For me, this definition is hard evidence that being completely selfless isn't the answer either, although I'm naturally wired to lean more in that direction. If it truly means that to be selfless is to have absolutely no concern for ourselves, how smart is that to not care at all about ourselves, especially when we're living with MS? Being selfless does mean we sometimes put others first, but we don't do it to our detriment, and we don't do it to the extent that we neglect ourselves. And therein lies the challenge. Selflessness is a really great way to be, but it's a slippery slope if we aren't very aware and intentional about our selfless acts. This is especially important if we tend to have people in our lives who might take advantage of our selflessness. It's pretty clear now that the two extremes of selfishness and selflessness aren't very healthy places to be. So how do we find the healthier center or place of better balance where we honor who we are and what we need and still be able to care for others in our lives? It seems to me now that selfishness is actually a more neutral term, but societally gets a bad rap, much like the word consequences. And we'll look at that for just a minute so that it can help illustrate this point for us. When we hear that there will be consequences for our actions, most of us immediately think, uh-oh, what bad thing is going to happen? Yet Merriam-Webster defines consequences as a conclusion derived through logic, something produced by a cause or necessarily following from a set of conditions. Consequences are simply that, something that happens as a result of something else and they can be positive or negative. When I was a classroom teacher, this was a powerful discussion we had every year on the first day of school as we settled on our classroom agreements and explored both the positive and negative consequences for choosing to live them or not live them. The positive consequences were intentionally quite exciting and we had fun creating them together. Students loved by choosing to follow the rules, they would not only learn more and have more fun doing it, they'd get to work in groups and with friends as learning partners, choose their seats, and enjoy a lot more choice points in the curriculum and how they could learn about a topic or display their competency in ways that leaned into their strengths and interests. In addition, they'd also get to participate in fun events like Friday Fun, where our entire grade level get to play a game outside together like Capture the Flag or Dr. Dodgeball. The negative consequences of missing out on all that fun and creative ways of learning was enough to teach my students early that we would have an awesome year of learning and fun together by following our classroom agreements and embodying mutual respect in how we chose to engage. I'm now learning to look at the word selfish in a similar way. There are acts of being selfish that without a doubt yield negative outcomes or consequences. And there are acts of being selfish that yield positive outcomes or consequences. There are also ways that I have encouraged selfish behavior in others by being too selfless at times. Learning to see how these are connected is helping me to let go of my previously completely negative stance on selfishness and my historic efforts to vehemently avoid being thought of as such.
So let's move into the good parts of being selfish. And as we do, be thinking about which ways you might like to be just a little more selfish in your life. Being selfish helps us learn when to say yes and no. Episode 26 is entirely dedicated to this concept. When we have clarity on what we really want to say yes to, saying no to things that don't fit the bill becomes much easier. If you currently struggle and say yes when you really want to say no, revisit that episode. The psychology and research is quite compelling and revealing. Saying yes only to the things that matter most increases our productivity, so we're able to get more of the important things done and better take care of others without neglecting ourselves. In this way, we increase our self-worth and other people's appreciation of us. Being selfish also helps us learn to truly value our time and to live our lives in ways that honor our time, which is our most finite resource. As we go through our lives, our circle of people grows and grows. So much is wonderful about that. And yet when more and more people want or need our time, if we don't value it enough to protect it, like sand or water, it will run through our fingers and there will be none left when we need some for ourselves. We can easily get carried away by obligation or guilt and in essence, throw away all our time and energy. Being just a little selfish drastically increases our mood. We'll be less likely to snap at others, overreact, or make unhealthy and unflattering assumptions. When we're able to assume the best intentions of others and weather small storms with greater ease, we'll be more fun to be around and engage with, and we'll feel greater love and affection for those around us. We'll maintain healthy thoughts and keep depression and anxiety at bay. Being selfish also helps us take better care of ourselves when we carve out blocks of time for ourselves and stick to them as priority. While we may want to be selfless as often as possible, we realize that in order to be able to safely be selfless often, we must protect those small blocks of time selfishly to ensure that we can continue to be there for others in the ways we like to. One tip I started using earlier this year is having a few blocks of time dedicated to myself and a few blocks of time dedicated to helping others. By scheduling in this way, I can ensure a healthy ongoing balance. If my time for helping others is full for the week, I schedule it for the following week. And guess what? Not one single person so far has responded to my new scheduling system in a negative way, which has made it easier and easier to honor myself and stick to those dedicated blocks of time for me. Have you ever wanted to work on your physical or mental health but just not had the time? Can you relate to some of these statements? I want to cook healthy meals, but I just don't have time. I want to exercise more, but I'm just too busy. I want to read that book or attend that class. Maybe I'll have time next year. Being just a little selfish enables us to finally make the time. Now. Being selfish helps us become immune to people who might have previously been taking advantage of our desire to be selfless. We all know people in our lives who take more than they give. 
We explore this in episode five, entitled, Are You a Fountain or a Drain? Learning to put my own oxygen mask on first. By learning to be just a little selfish, the manipulative drains in our lives learn very quickly that we are no longer there just to serve them. And they'll move on, or better yet, actually up the ante and learn to be more self-reliant. In a similar fashion, being selfish actually helps us teach others to be more independent and to live their best lives too. When we no longer enable their learned helplessness, rescue them, remove hardship or challenge for them, they are faced with an opportunity to learn and grow up. They'll learn that guilt, shame, and other forms of manipulation won't fly with us and will no longer work to get us to do things we really don't want to do and that they really should be doing for themselves. Being selfish also helps us avoid feelings of resentment. I've never met someone who enjoys feeling resentful, and yet, when we spend too much time at the far end of the selfless continuum, we can easily become resentful. Sure, we might feel good about going above and beyond to help someone, as some levels of self-sacrifice can be very rewarding. But if we are left deflated and depleted of all we need to get ourselves through the day, that's when resentment creeps in. By balancing our selflessness with a healthy dose of selfishness, we put healthy limits on the amount we're able to give and ensure we're also giving to ourselves to recharge our battery. Being selfish enables us to be more independent for longer as we age. Most of us who spend a lot of time at the selfless end of the spectrum are fiercely independent at heart. We prefer to give help and often struggle with accepting help or even acknowledging that we might need it. We might also struggle with graciously accepting help. With an unpredictable condition like MS, at some point we may not have a choice, but being a little selfish enables us to be more independent for longer. When we spend the majority of our life energy and time involved in helping others, that can actually increase the rate at which we will need someone to take care of us. Living with a chronic illness means we have to prioritize taking care of ourselves, or inevitably we will need others to help us much sooner than otherwise. By burning our candle at both ends in service to others, we're more susceptible to burnout physically, mentally, and emotionally. By trying too hard to be there for everyone, we may unintentionally end up being a burden on others and unable to help anyone. Balance is key. Recirculating our personal fountain is key. Recharging our battery regularly is key. Being selfish also teaches us to choose quality over quantity. In our ever-increasing capitalistic society, we are more than ever conditioned to want more, more, and more, and work more, more, and more. We become so routinized to seek and do more that sometimes we don't even realize that we are filling our lives with lots of things and stuff and people with little value instead of fewer things and stuff and people of greater value to us. When we focus on the quality of things, from household items to clothing to relationships, 
we find we need less and that less is truly more. Being selfish allows us to truly be a lifelong learner. We all enjoy learning new things and further developing skills we already have. And yet learning takes dedicated time, practice, and perseverance. When we spend too much time and energy giving our time to others, we neglect ourselves the opportunity to continue learning and growing. When was the last time you tried something new that you've wanted to try for a long time? What about that hobby you used to love but haven't been able to find the time for? What's something you're not great at yet but really want to be? If those questions yield telling answers, consider listening and giving yourself the gift of continuing to learn and grow. If you have children of your own, what a wonderful gift to give through example that learning is for life. Selfishness enables us to become the best versions of ourselves and model that for others in our lives. Being selfish allows us more time to self-reflect and think creatively. Self-reflection is an important way to check in with ourselves to ensure we're living the life we want. This helps us adjust course before we get too far off track. And when we give ourselves the gift of regular creative thinking time, we're more likely to solve our problems faster in new and ingenious ways. Plus, being creative is fun. Being selfish also helps us remember the good parts of being independent. When we are constantly connected to others, it can be easy to lose ourselves a bit. When we step away for just a short while, we are reminded what it's like to be by ourselves and how therapeutic and enjoyable that solo time can be. We realize that stepping back every now and then while we leave others to solve their own problems is actually a gift that keeps on giving since it encourages others to rely on themselves, in essence, building their own appreciation of their independence too. Being selfish can help us let go of the trap of constantly trying to meet the unhealthy expectations of others. When we are too selfless, we give away our sense of agency to choose to prioritize what we truly value most. Over time, by trying to meet the expectations of others, we lose control over the direction we're meant to be going and may feel lost or overwhelmed. We may feel at the beck and call of others. Our innate desire to not disappoint them may lead us to do what they want us to do, rather than what we truly want to do. Being a little selfish in this way can help us focus on pursuing avenues that are important to us, not others. Let them pursue those avenues themselves. Being selfish also helps us meet our goals and dreams in life. Part of this is by honoring our time and maximizing it in powerful ways. In order to be selfish, we need to have clarity on what is most important to us. And that clarity helps propel us forward faster, regardless what our specific goals may be. Think, for instance, of our MS health goals. Imagine if we each set aside targeted time each day to ensure we reach them. Learning to be more selfish has definitely helped me make all the things I want to do for my health each day more of a reality. Our goals do not achieve themselves. They require effort, action, and dedicated time. 
By being a little more selfish, we can become even more motivated as we start to see our goals become reality over time. Being selfish also means we can increase our joy factor in life. In episode 33, we talked about behavioral activation, which in essence is ensuring that each day we do something that brings us joy while doing it, and that we do something that brings us extreme satisfaction when it's complete. As I've implemented this strategy over the past few months, It's shown me that just taking a little bit of time each day to intentionally do those two little things can make a world of difference in my outlook and productivity. Other flock members have been experimenting with this method too and thriving. By just being a little selfish, we can increase our resiliency. As people living with chronic illness, research shows that resiliency is our greatest advocate and helper through the hard times. If we take better care of ourselves, we are overall more rested and happier, two critical elements in traversing difficult times with greater ease. Coping with the typical setbacks we often experience becomes easier over time when we are assured that we will have the time, skills, and space to take care of ourselves to get through the challenges we face. Being selfish helps you be you and me be me. I firmly believe that there are as many ways to live life as there are people and that our diversity is not only our beauty, but also our strength. And yet, how many times in the past did I allow myself to forego what I wanted and prioritized someone else's want even over my own need? Let's just say, far too many. My life is my life. Your life is your life. If it doesn't feel that way right now, that's definitely something worth marinating on. While it's been a process to learn about boundaries and how to instill them in some challenging relationships that were previously in a state of serious imbalance, being clear about what I want my lane in life to be has made it a lot easier over time. Episodes 9 and 10 of Misunderstood are all about building stronger boundaries. Living our lives how we want to live isn't actually selfish. It's our way of being true to who we are meant to be, rather than driving through life with our own foot on the brake pedal, preventing ourselves from stepping into our greatness and all God intended us to be. When we live just a little bit more selfishly for ourselves, over time, our relationships also benefit. We have more for ourselves to do what we need to do to take care of ourselves, and frankly, so will they. Mutual respect grows, and relationships become more respectful and symbiotic. Lastly, being just a little more selfish has actually enabled me to be healthier and even more selfless. We can't pour from an empty cup, and we can't help put on someone else's oxygen mask without first putting on our own. If we are selfless to the point of exhaustion, frustration, and debilitation, how can we really help others and keep that sustainable over time? If we don't look after ourselves with love and care, we won't be able to look after others with love and care. 
So if being selfless is truly important to us, then intentionally being just a little selfish sometimes is necessary. By now, I hope you're realizing that being just a little more selfish can help us be more selfless so that we can actually take better care of others and ourselves at the same time. Clearly, I'm not talking about doing a 180 and becoming fully selfish. Most of us know someone who has taken the selfish road a little too far. And if we've known them for a while, we may have noticed how this has impacted their relationships over time. It can be a challenge to remain in close relationship with a selfish person if their words and actions show they only care about themselves. And sadly, the truly selfish typically end up sad, unfulfilled, and alone. That said, the benefits of being just a little more selfish can really help, as long as we're not excessive about it and our selfishness isn't hurting others. Taking some me time, for example, as a parent, is very reasonable. Taking an entire week off? Probably a little excessive. Saying no to a social gathering when we aren't in the mood is likewise reasonable. Yet saying no to every invitation is a little excessive and will likely over time cause irreparable harm to the relationship. As long as our small doses of selfishness do not harm others or put unreasonable expectations on them, we should be confident we're living in the good graces of selfishness. For me, I've discovered that one of the best parts of being selfish is that I'm able to be more selfless, and I can lead by example. If I can model for those in my life that by being just a little bit selfish, can help me and them, then hopefully this approach can have a ripple effect and help even more people take a little better care of themselves so they too can take better care of others. In a recent EFT tapping session with the fabulous Claire Hayes, we emerged from the session with a powerful phrase that has helped me to finally get over the I don't want to ever be seen as selfish hurdle. Me so that we. Let me say that again, me so that we. I firmly believe now that by taking better care of me, I'm also able to better care for we. So now when those remaining negative self-talk voices in my head begin chastising me for being selfish and taking time to do things for me, I can quickly reframe those distorted thoughts into healthier ones. I can ask my clarifying questions to ensure my selfishness is coming from the right place and helping myself and others, and then move on confidently, knowing that me so that we is the most powerful way I can live my life as someone trying to live well with MS. For being selfless is truly what my life and many of our lives is all about. We know that selflessness reduces stress, anxiety, and depression, and increases our happiness and self-confidence. We know that it supports our physical, mental, and emotional health regulation mechanisms. We know that it heightens and focuses our sense of purpose, and also increases our overall quality of life, and even lengthens our lifespan. It improves our relationships with others and with ourselves. 
we grow closer to others in community and feel truly connected to people, place, and time. We learn to listen to the positive voices inside our heads as the negative voices fade away. When we see others benefiting from our healthy balance of selflessness and selfishness, we appreciate and love ourselves even more, too. This, in time, helps us receive appreciation and gratitude from others, too. And the endless cycle of generosity in relationships leads to even closer relationships. The last thing I'd like to share on this topic today is a framework I'm currently developing to help me as I continue to evaluate and navigate the nuances between healthy and unhealthy selfish and selflessness so that I no longer allow unhelpful self-talk regarding selfishness. If you're a math and or numbers person, you'll likely appreciate the visual as it involves a four-quadrant grid for plotting X and Y coordinates. If you're somewhere safe where you can close your eyes for a moment to aid in your visualization, consider doing so. If not, simply listen to this verbal description to help you envision the four quadrants and how to use them as a tool. I'll first remind us all quickly how the plotting works on a Cartesian graph. The x-axis, or horizontal axis, in this case represents me or you. The y-axis, in this case, the vertical axis, represents others in our lives. Where the two lines meet in the middle at 0, 0, is totally neutral. To plot the point 2, 2, for instance, we would first travel along the x-axis two points to the right from the center point 0, 0, and then up along the y-axis two points up. That upper right quadrant, quadrant 1 to the northeast, is where two positive numbers, like 2, 2, end up being plotted. In contrast, to plot the point negative 2, negative 2, we would first travel along the x-axis two points to the left from the center point, and then down the y-axis two points, ending up in quadrant 3 in the southwest. So, the upper right quadrant number 1 in the northeast is reached by mapping both positive x and y integers. The lower right quadrant number 2 to the southeast is reached through mapping a positive x integer and a negative y integer. Continuing around to the southwest or third quadrant, that area is where a negative x and negative y integer are plotted. And finally, the upper left quadrant 4, the northwestern quadrant, is where negative x and positive y integers are plotted. When I use this concept in thinking about evaluating selfish versus selfless behavior, I know there is one quadrant I want to live in most. Quadrant one to the northeast, where doing something positive or selfish for myself also benefits others. Living in quadrant one means I'm tending to myself well and tending to others well. I am balanced, realistic, and I'm able to meet my health and life goals and encourage others to meet theirs too. This quadrant also embodies a mutualistic symbiotic relationship in nature where both parties benefit from their interaction. 
This is truly the me so that we quadrant. I need to pay special personal attention to ensure I don't live in quadrant four to the northwest, given the challenges of my past. Living in quadrant four means I'm tending to others more than tending to myself. In this way, I unhealthily enable others and am modeling being a martyr, a sacrificial lamb, or a doormat. This quadrant also embodies a parasitic relationship in nature, in this case where I am the party who suffers while the other benefits. This can also be thought of as the you so that you quadrant. The other two quadrants can likewise be dangerous, but they are places I feel more confident I can personally avoid. It is not like me to make a selfish choice that harms someone else, like quadrant two to the southeast. Living in quadrant two means I'm focused on tending to myself too well while not attending to others enough. Living in that quadrant is being excessively self-focused, self-centered, and at its worst, narcissistic. Remember the definition of selfish. That's where the true definition of selfishness lives, concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself, seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for others. This quadrant likewise embodies a parasitic relationship in nature, in this case where the other party is the one who suffers. This is the me-so-that-I quadrant. Nor is it smart to live in quadrant three to the southwest, where both parties are harmed. Living in quadrant three means I'm not tending to myself or others well. And this is the place where overwhelm and, frankly, being a mess flourish if allowed. In nature, this is the ultimate parasitic relationship where both parties suffer. This is the nobody wins quadrant, an indicative of a toxic relationship where boundaries are badly needed or the entire relationship might need to be reevaluated. This is the we both lose quadrant. By orienting myself toward living in quadrant one to the northeast, where I am consistently doing what helps me so that I can further my service for others, I will live my best life. And so will those I care about. Me, so that we. I am now 100% dedicated to being intentionally selfish at times so that I can continue to be selfless. Anyone with me on this? Achieving greater selflessness through selfishness is truly a gift that keeps on giving. I hope that after listening to this episode, we all, one, each look for opportunities in our daily lives to be more healthily selfish so that we can be more selfless. Remember, me so that we. Two, that we remember that selfish is not in and of itself a bad word. There are many benefits for ourselves and others when we utilize the positive aspects of selfishness. And three, that we put our healthy selfishness into action, prioritizing our me so that we can better achieve our life goals of health, happiness, legacy, and relationship. 
The next flock meeting will be this Saturday, June 5th. Yep, this Saturday. Can't wait to see you there. At the flock meeting, we'll discuss this episode and other episodes released earlier in the month. And we'll just spend some virtual time together supporting one another as we strive to live well with MS. If you're not yet a flock member but would like to be, join us. We meet via Zoom the first Saturday of each month. You can learn more and join us by visiting patreon.com msflock. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email to mymsflock at gmail.com. And I really mean it. If you're listening and there's something you're struggling with that you'd like some help with, please reach out. I'd love to help by researching and sharing potential avenues of solution. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening. And until next time, be well.